Welcome to the Naked Truth. Peace to you. We're going to pick up where we left off in the book of Numbers. That's the fourth book in the Bible. So the fourth book in the Old Testament. We're at chapter 19. We're, let's begin with verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, So like we've said again and again, it's an article of faith if you're going to believe that it's the Lord speaking to anyone anywhere else in the Bible since in another part of the Bible book of John for instance chapter 1 it says there that it that that's not the case so believe what you will the Moses that we're talking about is the same Ten Commandments Moses and Aaron is his brother so they're both now having an encounter with the entity described as the Lord that is translated from the word Jehovah just so you just in case you don't know. Verse 2. This is the ordinance of the law, which the Lord has commanded, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they bring you a red heifer without blemish, in which there is no defect, and on which a yoke has never come. So, it's talking about a cow. Take a red female cow and um, make it a beauty and make it one that's never had to carry a burden basically or bring um you know be a beast of burden a day in its life so a privileged life cow verse three you shall give it to eliezer the priest that he may take it outside the camp and it shall be slaughtered before him so it's a sacrificial cow and it's to be given to eliezer specifically the priest so that he can execute it, slaughter it for a ritual sacrifice. Verse 4, And Eliezer the priest shall take some of its blood with his finger and sprinkle some of its blood seven times directly in front of the tabernacle meeting. So you can imagine a scene there of what that must look like entering the tabernacle meeting if at the pathway there's blood splashed on the floor, on the ground. Um... But it says that's what it, how it is, so that's how we're reading it. Verse 5, Then the heifer shall be burned in his sight, its hide, its flesh, its blood, and its offal shall be burned. So the whole creature is to be burned after it's slaughtered. Verse 6, And the priest shall take cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet and cast them in the midst of the fire, burning the heifer. So sounds a little witchcrafty the but that's what the priest is supposed to do now is take those specific herbs and roots that's what it sounds like they're dividing roots and use those to cast into the fire and um, even the word casting is there verse 7 i think it was there so um yeah it's cast cast them into the midst of the fire burning the heifer Verse 7, Then the priest shall wash his clothes, he shall bathe in water, and after it he shall come into the camp. The priest shall be unclean until evening. So it makes the priest unclean in doing the act of it, I would think, coming in contact with the blood. Yet they're commanded to do something to make them that's going to make them unclean. It's their role in the big picture of things, in the grand scheme of things, um, for them to have to do that, at least according to their religion. So that's what's being laid out here. Verse 8. 
and the one who burns it shall wash his clothes in water, bathe in water, and shall be unclean until evening. So also unclean, but ordered to do things that will make you unclean. Verse 9, Then a man who is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer, store them outside the camp in a clean place, and they shall be kept for the congregation of the children of Israel, for the, purifica- for the water of purification. It is for purifying from sin. So it's a water that's going to be used for another ceremony for um, forgiveness, paying for cleansing for sins for the people, for the congregation. That That's what the ashes are to be used for. Um, verse 10, And the one who gathers the ashes of the heifer shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. It shall be a statue forever to the children of Israel and to the stranger who dwells among them. So that means for the um, people of this sect, of this religion, if they were doing it back then, they should be doing it now. And it means if you are um, sojourning with the religion of the time, and um, as in taking part in the different ceremonies, um, converted to that religion, then um, you also are supposed to still be doing this if you are a sect of that religion that believes that it's supposed to be how it was originally um, laid out. So it says forever, a statue forever. That means if you're doing it then, they're supposed to be doing it now. And there are people who aren't of that religion who are say they're of the Christian religion that say that you're supposed to abide by everything in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. So if you're not still doing that, then you're not being true to your own word. Verse 11, he who touches the dead body of anyone shall be unclean seven days. So the people who have to gather the ashes are unclean and anyone who touches the dead body is unclean for seven days. And I think it means a dead body of a person. Not just an animal, but um, let's see, maybe it specifies. Verse 12, he shall purify himself with the water on the third day and on the seventh day. Then he will be clean. But if he does not purify himself on the third day and on the seventh day, he will not be clean. So he has to use that water specifically for cleansing himself um, on those two occasions or otherwise not actually being ritually clean. Verse 13, whoever touches the body of anyone who has died and does not purify himself defiles the tabernacle of the Lord. That person shall be cut off from Israel. He shall be unclean because the water of purification was not sprinkled on him. His uncleanness is still on him. So if that water of purification isn't sprinkled on you those two times, at those specific two times during that time period, um, then you're still considered ritually unclean and liable to be cut off from being included in anything that the rest of the congregation is that you get cut off from. Yeah, from the whole nation. Verse 14, this is the law. When a man dies in a tent, all who come into the tent and all who are in the tent shall be unclean seven days. So if someone dies in a tent, say at home, um, I guess that'd be the modern understanding of it since more people dwell in places than in tents right now. 
But if someone dies in a tent, then um, anyone who's in the tent is also, or goes into the tent is considered unclean for seven days also. Because it's, you come in contact with death, with the dead body. Verse 15, and every open vessel which has no cover fastened on it is unclean. So even the open vessels had death in their air. So it seems maybe there's an understanding there of something that when the body passes away of the uh, gases and things that are produced that may be toxic that surround the body, among other things. But what if it says if it's uncovered, it's unclean. Verse 15, and every open vessel which has no cover fastened on it is unclean. Same thing with other things, say like bowls and Tupperware. If it's not covered, it's unclean. Verse 16, whoever in the open field touches one who is slain by a sword or who has died or a bone of a man or a grave shall be unclean seven days. So again, it, it seems coming into contact with death that closely is what um, makes the uncleanness occur. Verse 15, and for an unclean person that shall take some of the ashes of the heifer, and for an unclean person they shall take some of the ashes of the heifer, burn for purification from sin, and running water shall be put on them in a vessel. So more rituals and ceremony for the cleansing of the person who um, um, gathered the ashes. Verse 18, a clean person shall take hyssop and dip it in the water, sprinkle it on the tent, on all the vessels, on the person who was there, or on the one who touched a bone, the slain, the dead, or grave. So um, the next part of the ritual is that the um, person who came in contact with the death, uh, close, close encounter with death, has to... Um, have that water, that purifying water sprinkled on them. Verse 19, then the clean person shall sprinkle the unclean on the third day and on the seventh day. And on the seventh day he shall purify himself, wash his clothes, and bathe in water, and at evening he shall be clean. So then at evening time, at the start of that new day, he's clean again from his own interactions with these people who come in contact with uh, unclean elements, namely death. Uh, but the man who is unclean and does not purify himself, that person shall be cut off from among the assembly because he has defiled the sanctuary of the Lord. The water of purification has not been sprinkled on him. He is unclean. So it says if you don't go through these rituals, you're considered unclean. Even if you happen to still be around, you're still considered unclean for not having gone through the proper rituals to purify yourself for the to even be around the in the presence of things that are going to be in the vicinity of the Lord making appearances. Verse 21, it shall be a perpetual statute for them. He who sprinkles the water of purification shall wash his clothes, and he who touches the water of purification shall be unclean until evening. So the one who even um uses the water of purification gets unclean um, it seems and it says it's perpetual meaning it's supposed to continue on, until modern times so um, if you believe and say you're of a faith, certain faith 
and believe all these things are true, then you should also still be doing these things. And when I think about it, I seem to recall the church that my mama found for us, Little Lakewater House of Prayer uh, in um, Florida. The Reverend Terry did have a little bowl of water, but I couldn't tell you exactly what it was used for. But um, one of the rituals here is what it's saying is needs to be done is that the sprinkling has to happen to be considered clean. And even the person who does the sprinkling is considered unclean for having to do it, but can be unclean once that new day starts. Verse 22, whatever the unclean person touches shall be unclean, and the person who touches it shall be unclean until evening. So that uncleanness that is contagious, it seems. It's not contained in yourself, but the things you come in contact with can be uh, can collect filth, or your filth can rub, out, rub off on it in a spiritual sense and make them unclean also. So in that sense, to keep the uh, evil, bad, um, bad mojo down, you have to make sure you go through the rituals of cleansing and even social, isolating yourself so that you don't spread the dirt, the filth of your uncleanness to other people. Um, that's the end of that read chapter, so that's the end of this reading. I appreciate you checking it out with me. As always, and as always, hope it's a blessing for you. Um, I hope you'll join me again. I'm trying to read them more often so that we can get on to more um, compelling, at least to me, parts of the Bible. Um, but we read these on these uh, weekdays so that we can point to why, as Christians, we um, focus on the red letters of Christianity on our Saturday readings. You can hear past readings on this platform uh, with this podcast. You can read along with me. Or if you're an adult, you can go to my website, it's hungtgirl.com, and read along with me. I have the red letter readings there. And you can um, see the readings that Jesus actually said, since again, I identify as a Christian. So. It's the things Jesus Christ himself says that we focus on on that one day of the week because what Jesus has to say is a small portion of what the whole Bible has to say. And there are more than one, more than two, more than three religions throughout the Bible. Christianity is just the one that I choose to um, follow there. You can uh, read along with me uh, and uh, join me again. Stay safe. God bless you and peace be with you. Thanks again. See you next time.